We just go with the flow. We know that. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hi, Jen. Hey, Michelle. Here we go. I'm so excited <laughs> about today and what we're talking about. So what are we talking about? Do you want to lead us in? Well, we are going to talk about a body of work. Mm. And how to do one. <laughs> and yes, and how to do one. I, it, it's uh, very exciting, actually. So let's, I'm going to start with the questions. When do you feel like you started your first body of work? Oh, that is a really interesting question. I think it goes right back. Probably in recent history, it was definitely the Landweaver series. And that started about three years ago. And that was a big body of work. That was about 18 months. Thanks to COVID, it got longer and more expanded and, and deeper because I had more time. But I think there's also the idea of a lifetime's body of work. And maybe that's what you're getting at. And I know you've got an enormous lifetime body of work with your singing and songwriting. What are you up to now? How many songs have you written and recorded? Oh, my. <laughs> I have written a lot of songs. I have recorded and published as of today, actually. Today they published I Am Golden, my latest EP, and that makes it 185. Whoa. Yeah, 185, and there's, there's plenty more to go. <laughs> <laughs> what about you with that question? When do you think you started your body of work? I think there was a lot of doodling and, you know, kind of messing around before I realized that I was actually a songwriter. I remember I was playing piano bars around LA and I was downtown LA in this really cool place that had a had a upper bar that was antique. You could see a lot of the city. And I was playing some of my own songs and somebody came up and said, well, that means that you're going to start recording them, right? And I really hadn't thought about it before then. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really hadn't thought about it. It's kind of like that same question that I used to ask kids that would come up and said, I wrote a song last night. I could, great, let me hear it. Oh, I forgot. You know, I mean, what is that thing that makes you start to record things if it's to, to establish them as a painting or as anything? I, I, as I've been thinking about this body of work, I think when you call yourself an artist, when you call yourself a songwriter, at the time you start calling yourself something, it seems that's when the body of work actually begins. That's my perception of it. So my first body of work started after that. You know, I started writing songs for my kid. He was in kindergarten and they needed some good songs because they were awful. <laughs> the songs they were teaching him were like, oh, come on. I learned those when I was a kid and they're, they're still <laughs> awful. <laughs> so I started then. I started writing songs. But I didn't start recording them until quite a bit later. Yeah. So I guess we're saying that a good definition of this idea of a body of work to just be useful for this discussion is the entirety of the creative output by an individual. And it could be for a period of time or over their whole lifetime. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think I've only become more aware of this concept of a body of work since I've become much more serious with my artwork. I used to make stuff, but that didn't feel like a body of work. So when I was making jewellery, 
silversmithing. I might make some pieces for a group exhibition. But I never considered that to be a body of work. It was just making stuff. That's how it felt to me. And I think Mm -hmm. something about the evolution of me with my artistry and the way that I see my art, the role it plays in my life, now a body of work has much more meaning and depth and breadth to it as a concept. Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask you, do you think your jewellery now is a body of work? My jewellery is, and so are seasons of it, if you like. So I feel like last year when I released that spring collection of my enamelling, that was a body of work. That was 50 pieces and it took me a kind of concerted finite amount of time to put it together and I released it together and I feel like there's something about the conceptual whole that wraps around a group of things and the way that they're sent out into the wilds is part of the concept for me about a body of work rather than just little bits and pieces floating off in in the wind you know it's it's a bit more um, there's a bit more gravity and there's a bit more conceptual uh, roundness to it there's a bit more of a, a kind of a the, the idea that wraps around all of the work is more whole and thought through. What about you? I mean, it feels like from witnessing you, it feels like that your CDs and EPs, they've got a roundness to them, haven't they? They've got a family sense to them. Yes, and I, I think we could add this definition to the body of work is the body of work is the umbrella of it all, but there are collections within the body, you know, or families like you just called them of when things come together because we're always growing as artists. And it's so wonderful to look back at earlier, you know, times, earlier spaces, earlier albums uh, that I've done, because that was a collection. And then moving on to another collection. And as I've grown, because most of my songs are spiritually oriented, all of them are. (laughs) I'll just come out with it. All of them are. And so they are kind of a documentation of my spiritual growth. Mm. And so as there's collections under this body of work, I did write a few pop songs, but my heart wasn't there. So that was very early on. Mm. You know, that was when I was going to absolutely be a pop star in Los Angeles. Okay, (laughs) good stuff. I feel like I've had phases of artwork, but I don't think of them as bodies of work. So I had a phase when I first started acrylic painting in 2013, I was learning under lovely lady Whitney Freya, who painted a lot of goddesses. And so did I when I was learning under her wing. So that was a phase for me where I painted Buddha faces and goddesses. And I haven't had an urge to go back and do them. And I I think looking back, maybe you could consider that to be a body of work, but it feels more like a phase. A body of work for me has a specific goal in mind, even if I don't actually know it when I start out. But what I'm working on right now and the early stages is for this exhibition that I've got in May, June next year in 2023 with the lovely Jude White. Hi there, Jude. I was just thinking about it this morning. It's been in a very formative gestation period where I haven't done a lot except start to think ideas and search through what is it that I want to say, what could I say, what do I want to say, what excites me about that. And 
even though my exhibition, both Landweaver and my contribution to Out of the Blue back in 2021 was all 2D work, I feel very strongly that this next body of work is going to have some small object sculptural pieces in it, partly because of what I want to say. And I don't feel like 2D painting can do it all. I do think, though, you know, there will be some of that in there, but I feel that there's very much this need for object and my hands have this kind of itchiness to put things together in an assembly kind of sense. And it's interesting that the body of work is for our exhibition. Our working title at the moment is Ash, Mud and Tears, which is all about the fire the floods and COVID and all the distress that the community has seen in our part of the world. And I really feel that as a, objects play a big part in that, objects that got burnt, objects that got salvaged, objects that got drowned in the floods, objects that got found and, and repaired as all kind of symbols of how we've journeyed through it and symbols of our lives. So that's that's sort of starting at the middle of my thinking about this body of work and I think what I love is that I adore the front end of any project so I know I'm absolutely in my bliss place right now which is where anything (laughs) is possible Mm -hmm. but the other aspect to starting a body of work with a bit of a goal in mind so this for me it's this exhibition is just acknowledging that sometimes I have the thought that floats in which says this is scary and you might not have any more ideas or you might not do good work. It might not meet your own standards. And so I'm conscious of that because that thought doesn't always happen in the middle and the end when you've got evidence. For me, it just kind of visits at the beginning of projects if I'm going to have Mm -hmm. a bit of a wobbly thought about anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) At the beginning of every song, it happens for me. Okay. But I want to speak into what you've just talked about, because if you're listening to this and you want to begin doing a body of work, I think that having something that you're working towards is so good, like like you're working towards an exhibition. I am doing a body of work right now because this year, and I find that I do this a lot, and I don't know if you do this, Michelle, but what I do is I throw things out in front of me that I have to then do. (laughs) So I have thrown out in front of me this year, I have a monthly healing meditation called Sanctuary, and we are working on opening each of our 12 chakras, and I am writing a song for each one of those. Yeah, wow. So that means that once a month, I am writing a song, and we're recording it And then it will be a body of work by the end of the year. So right now I'm on my seventh song. So it's been really exhilarating, but there is also that process because I just started one today and it's like, oh, is this worthy? Is this this piece worthy? Shall I continue? Shall I just dump it and start over? You know, that the whole process that you do with creativity. Mm -hmm. But I work really good that way. And I love that you said, Now you're wanting to work more with, you know, more dimensional than two, right? Mm, And mm. I think that's too what has created in my life. Like when I want to experience something new with my artistry, the best way to do that is to set up a body of work to do that, you know, to start experimenting and exploring. That's what I did with the light songs and opulence. That was a completely new way of of recording and writing spontaneously. Yeah. yeah, I love your concept of throwing stuff out in front and that being like mini goals 
knowing that when you reach each of those little mini goals, you're going to have developed a much bigger product or a much bigger thing at the end, which is quite joyful. I like that process. I don't know that I do that, except to say that I probably think of my exhibitions as those things that I throw out in front. Mm-hmm. I go looking for them and I actually now have a body sense of the rhythm and the frequency that I'd like to have them in. In fact, when we put in for this application for our regional galleries calendar to be included in their exhibition calendar, it was back in November last year and we got May, June 2023. That felt like an enormous time. I think in my mind I was expecting maybe the second half of this year would have been the rhythm. And now I'm really grateful that it came in as May 2023 because the first six months of this year was moving house, floods, unpacking, cleaning stuff after floods, trying to find my elbow, you know, that kind of thing as as happens. I've still lost things, folks. I still have my gold and my silver, which I wrapped up carefully. I have not yet been able to find it in my unpacking. I can't tell you how sad and I'd rather have lost a kitchen spoon, but that's not the case. (laughs) I just feel like, you know, this, this sort of arc was internal and it happened the same through the Landweaver exhibition, my solo that I was all ready for in October 2020 and it got put off till February, March 2021. And what a great thing that was that I had an extra five months. Although the work wasn't any different from what I put in, I didn't add any more work. I just had more space or something. There was something better about that. So I'm I'm trying to calibrate my internal awareness about my expectations of how long it takes me to do a body of work Mm -hmm. as I imagine it and then how it rolls out in reality is a little different. Yes, as we say in the recording business, it's always three times more than you think it's going to be. (laughs) And you can't push the river. You know, you cannot push the river when there's something that needs to be taken care of. You need to let it have its space if there's Mm. something that you have to work on. You know, it's also, we should talk a little bit, I think, about what happens when you're in the middle of a body of work and you feel like you're dead in the water, you know, like there is a, like an emptying of the energy and then you don't feel the energy to, to finish at that time. You know, I think it's important to listen to yourself, to listen to your creativity. I like to talk to my artistry. I like to talk to it as if it's an entity <laughs> because, you know, it, it's good to check in. Like, what do you want? What do you need? right now what is what is going on Mm. you know and I think it's good to be sensitive because just you've given us some great examples of what I call divine timing because your time is not always you can't see as far as your guardian angel can (laughs) and you know and some things just aren't meant to be in your timeline Mm. and not to get discouraged about that but to to just have some spaciousness I think the spaciousness is what I'm learning now, you know, put spaciousness around things because I'm driven. Let's get her done. And uh, it's not always appropriate. I feel sometimes with that lull that can happen with a creative project, I haven't found it in any big projects of mine, but I can find it with individual works, definitely. And I've also learned for myself Sometimes I need to start something and I am not meant to finish it, but something will have crystallized in the part doing this that is what I need as a stepping stone for the next thing. 
Mm-hmm. So I've so I'm doing a little series, a little mini series of paintings called My Flooded Heart. And they're aerial abstracts of the towns in this part of the world that I have a connection to. So the first one I did was Moorlambar, which is obviously my hometown now. But previously I was connected to Lismore and Lismore is one of the parts of Australia that's been so deeply and heavily affected by the multiple floods earlier this year. And that's also where my enamelling studio was and my girlfriend's uh, studios. Also, Mullumbimby was one of the other towns because that's where I teach and some of my equipment was there when it got flooded. So I'm sort of picking these beautiful towns and doing these little 12 by 12 inch paintings in oils on board. And someone asked me, you know, do you think, is this part of the exhibition? And I stopped and I thought, "Mm, probably not, maybe, but probably not. But I just need to make them. There was this sort of Mm -hmm. compulsion that says, this work has to come out of me for whatever reason. And I just trust that while it's sort of aligned but may not end up in the final body of work for exhibition, it's still part of the journey body of work. It's part of my artistry body of work, mm-hmm. part of which gets put on exhibition. But the whole thing is the journey. The whole thing is me playing with materials, testing stuff. I was chatting to a lady from a different part of Australia on Instagram this morning and she was commenting on this aerial imagery that I'd done and we were talking about gestation periods and I'm now coming back to something that I tried out back in 2019 when the fires hit and I was very distressed and I was just playing around with some ideas and then I just put them down. They didn't go anywhere and yet now they're relevant. Now I see an aspect of what I was playing with is something I want to pursue for this mm. Ash, Mud and Tears exhibition potentially. You know, that's nearly three years. Mm-hmm. And it can take that long. And it was okay for me to have a go and stop right back then because the timing wasn't right. It wasn't the right place, right time for that thing to move forward. Mm. Do you do that with songs? Do you get snippets of phrases or riffs yeah, or something know, that you park? I do. I'm thinking of a song, particularly it's on What the One CD, which was my first Big People's um, collection, right? Because I had done a lot of children's stuff up to then. And I was then going to Agape International Spiritual Center. And I remember hearing Reverend Michael say one day these words. I wrote them down. I even got that tape. There were tapes then of the service, right? <laughs> got the tape. And so I made sure that I wrote down these words because um, they were with this breath, I thee wed, my true nature, my forever, my being. With this breath, I say yes. And it was like I was hearing sacred texts that were, you know, like the Song of Solomon or something. And I had to write a song. And they were about three different versions of that song that just felt like it wasn't hitting the mark. And I allowed myself to keep coming back to it. I'd leave it for a little while, and then finally I hit what is there now, which I truly love. And uh, it's turned out to be a wedding song, which is interesting. (laughs) Because it is a wedding song, but it's it's a little different meaning. But I remember taking the sheet music to that, to a practitioner meeting, because I was a practitioner at that time with Agape. And Reverend Michael would always come and lead us. And sometimes there were 150 practitioners there. And he would ask me to come and play a few things on the piano. 
And I had to ask his permission, right, if I could use these words. I hadn't asked him yet. So I remember putting the sheet music, and his name is right there, and my name, you know, he wrote the words, I wrote the music. And I, I presented it to him, and he was so excited. He was so excited, and he said, you must play this song for us now. Then that song has also become Dion Mial, who is an amazing singer. He sounds like Johnny Mathis, and he, he has recorded that song and, and has taken it to a whole different level than I could and just been truly remarkable. But I'm grateful that I kept coming back because mm. I could, me with my shortest attention span, I could have just like let it go. Oh, that's just not going to work. But there was something about these words that I know needed to be put to music. It was that it was really important for mm. me. Mm. Yeah. Because as I was looking at ASCAP the other day and all the songs that I published there, I was thinking, oh, yeah, but what about this one? And what about that one? I was remembering the ones that didn't make it. Yeah, I didn't right. make the recording process. In fact, for this EP that we're putting out right now, I Am Golden, there was a song there that the words were amazing, but it just could not find its place. And we finally just had to put it on the cutting floor saying, okay, well, it's just not happening. And, this, uh, this time? Oh. Yeah. In this, in this little collection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what ends up on the cutting room floor is an interesting thing, isn't it? And I actually that process of editing, and I know I've talked about this before, that's part of the body of work process is to pull out the parts that need to be in the collection that then get recorded or included in the CD or put on the walls at the exhibition. And that, that's mm -hmm. another aspect to it. Just wondering, I'm thinking about my journey and at times I actually might seek out art mentoring if it's a really big body of work and if I'm trying to take on new skills, I might actually go and do a bit of learning along the way because I know I want to be able to do this thing, this technique, or I want to try and get this particular visual effect. So I might go and explore a bit of study and or mentoring do you find yourself doing that or are you and Michael pretty self-sufficient? You know, I like I remember I heard a song, one of Pink's songs that I thought was just amazing. I was doing a bunch of kids' songs then and I was working with the virtue of understanding and I was like, we got to use this, you know. And so it's more like listening to others and seeing kind of the ingredients that they've used to put a song together and what's exciting about that, you know, and... I do that with my music once in a while. I actually have to just to refresh myself or else every song would sound like the same song, <laughs> just with different words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I find that my books, the collection, because that is another body of work that I'm yeah. developing now, and they are like a, a whole different process for mm. me. Mm. Yeah. How about you? Well, I've got really a collection of one in my author stable, the one big book, 20,000 Brushstrokes. I haven't really felt moved to go back again, but it definitely had its own process, quite different from the artwork. Though the thing that I do find translates across any medium is this idea of staying connected. Mm -hmm. Just allowing the ideas to be fresh in the mind and to come at it each day or, you know, multiple times a week with fresh eyes and see what then comes up. Because things then happen like what happened to me at 6am this morning, which is I woke up with an idea. So I have this, you know, this kind of ready made and it was almost like 
my creative self going, come on, wake up, I need to tell you something. And it was precious debris. You, this body of work, this kind of tactile thing that you're playing with, you're going to call it precious debris for now. And as soon as I woke up and I had it and it was like, oh, and a whole lot of things kind of came into place. So for me, that only happens when I'm regularly touching in on the ideas and maybe not in the studio making, but just visiting ideas that inspire me or in my sketchbook, drawing out ideas, taking notes. And that's another thing that I'd add, you know, for those of us who are visual artists, the idea of capturing our thoughts along the journey of developing a body of work and having that documentation is so important. So Mm -hmm. images that I've collected in the last six months that have inspired me for whatever reason, and that might be a photo I've taken walking along the river and I sort of just took some images so those sorts of things go into that notebook and I keep my ideas things I can see then really wants to come through by its recurrence and then building on ideas and images and little drawings and things so I feel like documentation's a key part of building a body of work because then when you come to the next body of work, there can be times when you need to flick back and go, now, how was it that I made that thing again? You know, just revisit some of the making or the maybe the resources and inspiration. You need to touch base again and take them in a different direction next time. Mm-hmm. You've helped me with that, you know, because you're a Virgo and you have, you know, that sense of order. And uh, it's been really helpful to be your friend. Thank you. It's <laughs> so good to know. <laughs> I love those moments when you're woken up and you the ideas are just flooding. And I'll never forget, Michelle, we were talking. I was talking about how could I promote something, which was a, a gathering I wanted to do with Mother Mary. And you said, well, why don't you do some of those meditations that you do with Mother Mary? Why don't you offer those as recordings? And I was like, that's kind of an interesting idea. And that night when I went to sleep, I had one of those bolting up in the middle of the night Like, oh, yeah, why don't we start a podcast? And I'll do 10. I'll do 10 of them. That was the beginning. I think we're on uh, 239th episode now. Yeah, well. Podcast, Morning Light Meditation. (laughs) And it was like, oh, yeah. It was like Mother Mary was there. We were having this conversation. And like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do these shorter meditations. And I did all of them like five a week. And then I Initially, you were very intense. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, two a week. And now I'm doing once a week, which is just plenty for me right now. Yeah. And there's a there's a body of work, but it felt Absolutely. very organic. It felt very natural. It felt like and I want to say this to anyone that's listening to this. Whatever you're doing now, if you just keep doing it, it will be a body of work. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think also your idea of being really attuned to, because I remember you telling me when that happened, you were really attuned to the fact that you were so excited, almost revved with this concept of the morning light meditations. And I think that name came to you fairly quickly, didn't it? Mm -hmm. And that I think sometimes a title, a name, even if it's just a working title, for me is like a, almost like an energy anchor that I can bounce off and also is both an anchor and a container that Mm -hmm. I can sort of work around. And so I remember when the birth of morning light meditations happened. And (laughs) I remember when I wanted to talk to you about the idea of this 
podcast. And I was thinking, she's never going to go for it, people. She's never going to go for it. She's already got her own <laughs> podcast. Why would she want to do another one? But this is a different body of work. It's very it's different. It's, it's it got a totally different purpose. It brings such a different experience for me. And I love having the conversation with you. So yes, mm-hmm. lots of bodies of work. And then there's the big body of work, which is that thing we called life that our life is our artistry in the way that we live our lives and the way that we create in life doesn't necessarily have to be about paintbrush and paint on canvas I so agree Mm. so any other ideas about this concept of how we go about building a body of work anything else you know I think I just want to sum it up this way that if you have a title for it and if you keep track of what you're doing you have a body of work. I mean, to me, it's just very simple, but it's always great to just take a pause like I did this week and just look at what you've done and have a little celebration, Mm -hmm. you know, because, and in life, you know, how many of those almighty storms have you walked through and you got to the other side? Oh my God, it's time to celebrate. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. So did you celebrate 185 songs written and recorded? Actually, we celebrated this EP and, uh, you know, I did celebrate because I put that word out to my close family saying, oh, wow, look at this and how grateful I am to be used this way, how grateful Mm -hmm. I am that Michael, who has produced and recorded each one of those songs, came into my life. I didn't plan that. It just happened. You know, that was a provision for me. And I know there's provisions for all of us for what we're here to do. Yeah, we are supported and and supplied. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your new EP. Oh, it's so cool. I Am Golden is a declaration, and it was actually a um, collaboration with Caroline Oceana Ryan, who wrote the Abundance for All book, and it's a prayer in there. And that also brought in some other beautiful, I love to write songs, texts that move me. Mm-hmm. In there, there is a prayer called Celestial Ohm that is just ugh, it's exquisite. It's just <laughs> piano and vocal, but it's just Michael has, he reminds me of what you were just saying. He is always perfecting the sound and the techniques to be used to get the sound. And I'm just all the recipient of this beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. But Celestial Ohm is from beloved Rona Herman Vessenay, who has been channeling Archangel Michael for like 30 years And there was one passage in one of her books that just riveted me. And she was delighted that I wrote this song. So now I get to know her on a personal level. She is 95 years young and, you know, just an incredible soul, still sharp as a tack. And so there were some collaborations there. And also a couple songs that we wanted to remix that I put out as a single. So Speak is on there, which is really an empowerment for your throat chakra and how to be, to speak into life and what that which you want to see. Um, a Latin piece that I love, Listen to Your Heart. And our good friend Tom Morgan Jr. once again played his saxophone on several of the pieces and Michael did his guitar work. And I got to say, my keyboard playing is just getting better and better. <laughs> Congratulations. So where can we get a copy of this beautiful new work? I'm looking forward to listening to it, Jen. You know, let's put it in the in the podcast notes because I, I just got today. They finally they published it. And okay. so it's it's now everywhere present. So it's hallelujah. brand new, hot off the yes. breast. <laughs> Fantastic. Celebrating that with you. 
Thank you for chatting to me about building our bodies of work in our respective artistry. And I've really enjoyed thinking about that whole topic today. It's been great. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's my joy. Thank you. And if you're listening and you're already fully into your latest body of work, we'd love to hear what you're up to, what you're Mm -hmm. creating, what inspires you and what the goal is for you and for your work. We love hearing stories. So thank you to those who send in their messages and thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time and tuning in to us today. We send you lots of love. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jen. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye.